Welcome to the First Time Facilitator Podcast. Whether you're a first-time facilitator or a seasoned pro, listen in for tips and tricks to make a bigger impact at the next workshop you deliver. And now, your host, Leanne Hughes. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Leanne Hughes, and I'm here to help you create unpredictable workshop experiences that predictably work. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the First Time Facilitated Podcast. Last week on the show, we had Phil Brown from High Five Adventure, and he was talking a lot about the difference between team building, team bonding, team development. And I also love how he shares his idea for a golden activity. So if you haven't tuned into that one, make sure that you do. Uh, This week, I'm balancing feedback that I got from the First Time Facilitator Survey. So a lot of you said that you love the interviews, but you also really like the solo practical podcast episodes. So I'm bringing it back for another week. Uh, And this week, we're talking about something that can frustrate us, whether we're a facilitator or we're someone working internally. And that is, how can we ensure that the people who sign up for this workshop actually show up? What are some strategies that we can implement to do that? Now, of course, we can't control what people do, but we can certainly influence in this space. So I've got a few tips for you if you stick around for that. I did mention the survey and I'd like to share that we had three random winners of the $50 Amazon gift vouchers. So congratulations to Kim Molinelli, Hanine Ahmad and Andrea Mendoza. And thank you to everyone that took the time to complete that survey. I absolutely, I read all the comments. I might report back at one stage of what I discovered, but for today, the sole focus is on how do we get these people our participants to arrive at our workshop. Okay, a few quick links before we dive into this episode. First of all, head on over to leannehughes.com forward slash subscribe. That's where I curate all of my favorite website links, tools, perspectives, videos, that's in that fortnightly newsletter. You can also join our community of over 1300 people on Facebook. It's called the flip chart and we just geek out on all things facilitation. If you want to support the ideas behind this show, head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Leanne Hughes. And thanks to everyone that's contributed so far on building my coffee addiction. All the links are always mentioned in the show notes, which for this one is over at firsttimefacilitator.com forward slash episode 162. Now, onto the show. Anytime I do a solo episode, I like to ramp up the problem. It's what Dr. JJ Peterson told me when I interviewed him on this podcast back in episode 114. He said, right, when you start your workshop, make sure you ramp up the problem. I don't really know if this problem needs so much ramping up. It's the problem where you've prepared a workshop and you don't get the number of people that you anticipated or people end up not coming along, so the client then will reschedule. I think we all understand that this is a problem. Anytime you're hosting something live, there is a risk that people won't show up. And like I said earlier, we cannot control what people do, but we can certainly influence the space. So I just want to bring a few different perspectives to this problem. So if you work internally for an organization, this can impact you um, upon many different ways. Well, first of all, if we were running in-person workshops, and that is starting to pick up a little bit in Australia. Uh, You might have coordinated the session, you've booked a facility, you've got catering, you've got minimum numbers, the facilitator is booked. And if your participants don't show up or a couple of people don't, it can actually really impact the dynamic of what you had planned. And then if they actually have to do that training because it's compliance driven, then you've got to reorganize that and reshuffle. So it can absolutely be a pain. Uh, if you're the facilitator that's been booked, you're, the, you're working externally and 
if your client still agrees to run the session, I mean, you still get paid, so that's good, but it can really affect the design, the way that you design things. And we certainly have to, we, well, that's a massive consideration, right? Anytime you design something is who's going to be there, uh, what's the quantity of people that are going to be there. It can absolutely affect that um, and create extra work for you at short notice because you don't usually find out um, that people aren't going to be there until maybe set up to 72 hours to the day of um, as well. Plus, like we're there to create outcomes. So you might have some key stakeholders that just couldn't make it. So what do you do then? And then the client might just decide, oh, well, if, if these people can't show, then we're going to have to reschedule this. And then that can obviously impact your diary. So we all know how much of a pain this is when you've anticipated certain numbers and you don't get them there. I think that's enough for the problem ramp up. We kind of know that. What about the perspective of the participants? So I was, let's get some empathy mapping here and talk about why the participant may not be showing up. Now, the best way to do that is just to think of yourself and reasons that you haven't shown up. So I guess the question I'd like you to ask on now and to quickly reflect on uh, is, what are some reasons that you haven't showed up to an event or a workshop? And I'm gonna run through my list here, my list, but also what I've noticed and observed from my years as a facilitator and just a person that loves training sessions. So this is coming from someone that loves workshops, that loves live events, uh, and I still don't show up. So what's going on? Here are some reasons. Well, if it's in person and it's the end of the day and it's raining, I can't be bothered leaving the house. That's one reason. Um, if it's on at a bad time, that's another reason. Time zones, if it's an early morning or if I'm battling between two different things, I won't show up. Um, so which one do I pick? This is what I mean where influence really comes into it. If, if I'm battling between two different appointments, why would I pick the workshop? Sometimes I'm simply not in the mood. That possibly relates to the rainy day syndrome. I think anything that relates to not being in the mood could be put under that bracket of, yeah, it's like a, just that rainy day vibe. Um, I don't have skin in the game. So there's no repercussions if I don't go. Uh, it could be a free event, so I haven't lost anything. Uh, so many people are going that they won't miss me. Like if I'm not there, others won't really care because the show will go on. I don't really have that skin. Another reason I don't have the cognitive bandwidth, I'm so busy, I'm so under the pump, I just cannot take on any more information or connections. Another reason, it's not really relevant for me. I don't see it as a big pain point for me right now. I'm sure it's relevant for me in the future, but for right now, I, I don't need it. Uh, another reason, I'll watch the recording later. <laughs> this is a famous, I should do a whole podcast around that. How many of us actually watch the recording later with all great intentions like we'll pay we'll do everything right and then do we watch the recording when do we make that space of course if there's an emergency you won't make it um if you're not interested in the topic or you've tapped out and this is coming from a sort of corporate compliance perspective if you're sort of tap tapping out of your job um you might you might not want to go or there may, there may be no accountability for you to show up so I've listed over a dozen reasons there. And again, coming from a person who loves these type of events. So can you imagine if that's not the case for the people that you're working with? Now, as I went through that list, there's certainly a lot of things that nobody can control. The emergencies, sometimes the timing is really hard to control. Uh, but there are also quite a few of those where we do have some level of influence to do something about. And that's what I'm going to share in this. Now, usually I like to pre um, share prevention and cure strategies, but I think all of these are really quite preventative, things that you can do beforehand 
to get people to arrive? I mean, because what can you do in the moment when people are there? There's not too much to convince someone um, apart from like physically pulling that person in. So these are all preventative tactics. And again, like the other episode, episode 159, where I talked about winning friends and influencing your online colleagues, these aren't really in any specific order. I've just gone, done a brain dump and, and got these ideas out. I'm sure when I write an article eventually, I'll, uh, I, I might just move a few of them around. Okay, preventative tactics. Now, the number one thing I think you need to do is to understand and take a marketing approach to your workshop and event. You need to market your event. You need to make the event as exciting as possible. Uh, that's in the way that you communicate it. That's the way that you name what you call the event. I spoke about this. I speak about it all the time. The name of the workshop is critical. Um, the internal communications, the way you phrase it, who actually sends the email announcing it. Now, I worked in learning and development, so I have a lot of empathy here. But if it comes from the learning and development team, that first initial email, uh, you won't get as big of a response as it is if a senior leader will send the initial comms out with their endorsement as well. So where you can use that whole, I mean, we, I talk about SCARF a lot in this. SCARF is an acronym, status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness, and fairness. Use status in your favor to market this event by getting someone like a leader within the business to promote it and drive it uh, initially. Then of course you can pick it up L&D and, and communicate it from there as well as an external facilitator. But if you are external, I would also make this claim and go, look, I would want a senior leader in your business to drive this where possible. Okay, so make the event fun, appealing, use all the marketing strategies that you can to create some type of appeal and excitement. We want a pull. We don't want this to be a push initiative. That leads on to the second point, send the calendar appointment. Again, if this comes from a leader within the, your business or the business you're working with, this will also be uh, it will mean more. Unfortunately, that's the case, but we are very tribal. We look to status too <laughs> a lot of the time. Get in the diary as early as possible. So stake that claim in the diary. What I also suggest is, um, so you can do a few th funny things around timing. You can also book in the 30 minutes in the lead up to the meeting and have it as like commute time, even if it's virtual. So what that means is it could be right. We're creating the space for you to get a cup of coffee, to have a stretch, to go for a walk, to commute to this workshop. I think it even works better virtually. But that means people that aren't just like clicking off a link and clicking into your meeting and what we all know what that feeling is like. Um, and I think that's just a great way to, to create space and to make them feel like they're arriving at something. Okay, my next point. When I went to Singapore for the landing page uh, workshop run by Sean D'Souza from Psychotactics, he's been on the podcast before, uh, his wife, Renuka, sent off a series of emails beforehand. And the first one was, it was a very simple email. It was just, uh, I think it was a question and it had a yes or no response. It said, <clears throat> don't ever think it, just write yes or no back to me as soon as you get this email. So it was a really low friction, I talk about friction questions. This was a really low friction question where you didn't really have to think that hard. And all you had to do was click reply and hit yes or no. So this was really good. And actually, I spoke to Renuka about that in Singapore and she said that is a strategy and she can predict who will be at the workshop by the um, by how long it takes for them to respond and if they respond at all. So it's a really good indicator and that that's good intel for you because if someone is late to respond to that, that's then a targeted either follow-up phone call or just to see what's going on with that person to check in. Otherwise, if people are responding, you can pretty much assume that, yeah, cool, they'll be there Um 
because of their responsiveness to that email. So just keep it a really simple question and then hit yes or no. Now, you can ramp this up by creating a pre-workshop survey. But the thing about pre-workshop, well, the word survey is that people think, oh, this is going to take some time. So maybe not call it a survey, just go, hey, a quick two-question check-in. Um, but I would actually run that after the yes or no. So this could be as part of your onboarding sequence for your event is a, yeah, start with the yes or no question, then follow it up maybe three or four days later with a really two or three second, um, sorry, question thing. Questions like, what do you want to get most out of this session? Why is the session relevant for you? Uh, how are you feeling about this upcoming session? You get them to vote on an emoji scale. So pick an emoji that relates to how you're thinking or feeling about this upcoming event. Uh, that's great. And then, you, then that's a good indicator for you as a facilitator when you deliver it to find out, okay, this is the general sense of what's going on. Another strategy which I use all of the time is a pre-event video. And it's basically a, hey, we can't wait to see you. And I love this particularly as an external facilitator because everyone's like really curious. I remember one time I was running a team event and the, the organization put a link to my LinkedIn profile and all these people from the organization had like been on my profile the day before. Uh, just checking out like who is this facilitator people want to know the sea of certainty we want that certainty on on what we're expecting so the pre-event video is all about telling people what to expect of course but leaving a few surprises <laughs> so don't tell them like everything just just a little teaser like like you'd see for a movie trailer mine are really short 60 to 120 second videos uh, I keep it really simple so initially I, I would use just quick time on my Mac to record a talking head to camera. I would upload that as an unlisted video on YouTube and then send that link. But there's tools that do it all the time now. Um, for our most recent one I'm running for Petra, g'day Petra Zink if you're listening in, for her Future of Work campus, I just used Video Ask. So I uploaded the video to videoask.com. I also added a question in there as well. So if you work in learning and development, I would actually ask the facilitator to do this. Um, or you can get a senior leader in your company to record a video and you can just get your phone and record them um, and make sure that they use the word you, not everyone in their language. So rather than saying, hey, everyone, welcome to the workshop. Or we, hey, everyone, we can't wait for you to come to the workshop. Say, hey, you were so excited about seeing you at the workshop on Tuesday. That subtle change in language makes a huge difference. Next point, you can host a pre-event networking function. And this is where you can iron out things like if people aren't comfortable on the tech tool that you're using or they're not too sure about the people that are in the group. Um, you do this in real life anyway, but like the night before, but you can do it anytime you like if it's virtual and just get them to bring a cup of coffee or their favorite drink. And you can run a series of just like quick um, introduction activities to get people warmed up. This is all related to bringing uh, and building that skin in the game, so it's a pre-event to do that. Another pre-thing that you can do, and again, related to skin in the game, is to set up uh, mini hubs or chat groups through existing tools. Like if your company already uses WhatsApp groups or Microsoft Teams, set up uh, team channels prior to your workshop. The reason uh, this is really more important if your workshop group has more than say 10 people because then you start getting that feeling of anonymity and what I said before, oh, no one will really miss me if I don't go. Well, if you're in a group of four or five other people, you'll they'll certainly notice. <laughs> so, so it's just a strategy of getting you to feel like, oh, I actually have some accountability to going to this. And that can be used as a back channel communication for 
like chat while an event is running. So uh, someone like a facilitate might run something and then instead of breakout rooms, your breakout room could be your WhatsApp group where you have conversations. I'm just going to slow down, have a breath here, just let you know that if you're listening to this and you're thinking, gosh, this is so much, uh, just remember that you don't have to do all of these. You can actually just pick one of these to incorporate and it will make a world of difference. So please don't feel overwhelmed. Just try one strategy at a time, get comfortable, or you might have a favorite one. Like my favorite one is the video one that I'll, so I'll just use that. So yeah, I hope I'm not overwhelming you here. Okay, what else can you do? This sort of relates to the marketing approach. Send a pre-event announcement the night before or the morning of, and it doesn't have to be on email. It could be a text with a giphy that just says, we can't wait, we can't wait to have you here. Um, tomorrow, this is the things that you should bring, or we've printed out these resources for you, or something like that, just to get a bit of hype going. And again, preferably off email, like texting would be preferred if you have access to do that. Also something about surprising, like surprises are cool. Uh, I would, if you can say, hey, we have a mystery guest coming along or we have a mystery surprise segment that we know you're going to love. I'm not going to tell you what that is. That's where you can be creative with that. Um, the best thing about virtual is that you can have, you could have your CEO join you. You could have someone random join you, a celebrity. Head on over to cameo.com. There's stuff that you can do to uh, create that mystery, but that's, I'll leave that to your creativity. Um, but obviously if you hype something up like that, you better deliver on it. <laughs> so, so be careful. Uh, the other thing you should do is also look at your nomination process. And I probably should have said this one up as a really, this is like a pre-preventative strategy. Um, are the people that you've invited or your L&D or the managers have nominated, are they actually the right people? Will it be relevant? Um, and be very clear on that. Is there anyone that really doesn't need to attend? Because you don't want to waste people's time. And if you work in learning and development or learning in general has a brand, right, where it's not the strongest brand. Workshops really don't get great raps. People, we know that we've, that's why we're here. We're here to sort of change that reputation. But I think a lot of that time it's because some decisions that were made outside of uh, like manager nomination of participants to a workshop, they may not understand the type of person or the content that's covered. So then their participant arrives and was like, well, that was a waste of my time. So I think that really needs to be explored as well as, as a key as a key checklist indicator. What else can you do? You can pretend that you're an airline and tell them upfront about the cancellation policy and hopefully that's already embedded into your systems and processes. And the suppliers, again, if you work internally, you can say we're going to charge your job number if you don't cancel within uh, outside of 72 hours or if you're the external facilitator, you would have that in your proposal, like I need these numbers and this is what to do if uh, things change. So just have something like a, a, the plan B outlined beforehand uh, and communicated. What else can you do? You can send a pre-event package. This one's great. This is sometimes hard to do because you're looking at addresses and things like that. Um, but like I said, there are websites like, uh, that, like in Australia, there's the Shouter, S-H-O-U-T-A app. So what I can do is with any, if I know anyone's phone number in Australia, I can send them a coffee shout, like a $5 shout, and then they can then go to any cafe they like to buy their coffee. Now, this is all done virtually, so you don't need much time to do that. Um, people like Susie Daphnis, who we've had on the show, she sends a beautiful welcome box with like lovely curated items in there. So if you've got time and you've got the budget, do that. 
just letting you know there's a variety of different tools that you can use to do that. Uh, so you can find out what their favorite coffee shop is and just ring them directly. That's a lot of effort. I would just use the app. So see what app works in your country. I'm sure there's a few similar things to Shouter that you've got. Uh, but people love, I mean, particularly now, love getting things in the mail. Like I said in episode 159 of the Win Friends episode, also lean on people that they've got existing relationships with. So tell their manager that they're booked in and set the expectations. I think what happens is we're like, oh, the workshop's in a couple of months or it's in it's in two weeks. Yeah, cool. My calendar's looking good. But I'll also communicate to the manager and go, look, we're going to need your participant here. This is the expectation. Uh, I'm just giving you a heads up that we will need their space, we'll need their presence and we've booked out this time so that we have that. I think they're often a missing person. We assume that the participant has communicated to the manager but often we know what the relationship is like and there's sometimes a bit of fear there. Sometimes, I'm not judging here, but that's a very broad statement but we assume that the person participating has told their manager and oftentimes that doesn't happen. So again, this is bringing it back into the circle of influence what can you do as a as the person that's making this workshop happening happen for your company? What can you do? And I think the manager of the person attending is a key stakeholder that needs to be informed. So separate communications to them would be good and just a quick reminder or just pop it into their calendar. Hey, like popping this into your calendar so you know that Bob will be in the workshop for this time. They can plan around that then. So that is a ton of prevention strategy and what I've done is I've talked at a really high level here I don't want to be so specific that I drill into you what that must look like so when I say have a marketing approach I've given you some ideas but it's I think it's great for you to then recognize oh what a what does a marketing approach look like for me what am I comfortable with and then how can I utilize that so those are all prevention strategies I do have one cure strategy (laughs) one Um, and that is if you've got a, a workshop that runs over a period of days or it's the first workshop for this company. You've got to make it damn good. If it's awesome, then that word of mouth will propel to other parts of the business. So you want that kind of employee evangelism selling your workshop. So that is completely, that is under your control as well. If you make that first workshop unbelievable, super interactive, engaging, relevant, people feel like that was the best investment I could have ever had with my time. They will tell someone else within your organization and then that brand of your workshops will just be amazing. Also applies to, a, like I said, if you're running a few day, uh, an event series, a workshop series, make the first one incredible. And then you'll find that your retention rate for day two or day three is also high as well. People will come back because of the, uh, the brilliance of what they felt during that. And they won't tribute it to you. They'll just say, oh, wow, what a great workshop. We had great conversations. And that's probably the best thing that you want. It's, it, it's not attributed to, to you. It's, it's attributed to the collective intelligence and conversations that happened. So that is it. Uh, those are my tips. And I'd love to hear yours. I reckon there's so many more that are out there. If you do have any great ideas and strategies to get people to actually arrive at your workshop, please send me an email, hello at leannehughes.com or you can DM me at leannehughes on Instagram or Twitter or shoot through a message on LinkedIn. Uh, That's my playground as well. So yeah, I'm all over the socials. Hope you found this really helpful and that you use one strategy. Just try something new out the next time that you run a workshop or virtual event. Awesome. Look forward to chatting to you next week. Don't forget to hit subscribe in your podcast player of choice so you don't miss an episode and we'll see you next week. 